Welcome to the Coastal Society podcast, All Swell, where there's a will, there's a wave. First, a quick heads up. This episode is centered around the life, work, and legacy of our friend, classmate, and kick-ass fish and fisheries researcher, Anya Sostrom, who died in an accident early January. This episode is meant to serve as an introduction to her work and what drove her to study her passion, the ocean, and all the things that live inside it and the people who are heavily connected and dependent on this resource. But we are not only honoring her work and the role she played in fighting for those who often do not have a voice, but we are also celebrating her as the bright light she was in our lives, the joys she brought to everyone around her and the lessons she taught us. Anya was also a huge supporter of this podcast, and we thought there was no better way to honor her than to dedicate this episode to her. We are so thankful for our supporters at the American Shoreline Podcast Network and the Coastal Society for allowing us to use this platform for this episode, as well as supporting us as colleagues and friends. In dark times, we are very grateful for the support and understanding, as well as being given the time to start processing. We want this episode to serve as a comfort for her friends and family and introduce her to others. If any of what you're about to hear inspires you in the work or life in any way, we would love to hear from you. You can find the contact information of all the people featured in this episode in the show notes, as well as our club's Instagram handle at ECUTCS. Before we get started, we would like to share some words from Anya's mother about how Anya found and forged her way into marine science. Hi, Natalie. Thank you so much for doing this with us. Um, it must be very difficult for you. So really, really thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for doing this and having the interest in Anya when she was doing it. Actually, it's wonderful to have the opportunity to talk about it because she loved this work so much. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right on. And um, we are all very interested in, in how Anya got kind of the bug for the ocean and how, yeah, and to study its creatures, but also the people who were related to it and, and depend on it. Um, would you mind like giving us just a brief walk through her life and like the beginning of, of what it turned out to be a, a career? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to do that. Anya, um, she was... <laughs> She was connected to coastal waters from the time she was born because she lived on a boat in the San Francisco Bay. Before she was born, till she was about three and a half, and uh, spent a lot of time with us out at the coast in the water, exploring tide pools, um, playing at the beach, and uh, and she learned to swim when she was a baby too. And she loved spending time under the water even when she was a baby. <laughs> That's remarkable. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. And um, yeah, later when she trained uh, to scuba dive, when she got her scientific dive certification so that she could join a research project in Corsica her senior year in undergrad, she absolutely fell in love with diving in the Cal Forest in Monterey Bay. So that was one of her favorite places to be in the water, on the water, under the water. So she loved that from the time she was really little. Yeah, that's, um, that's awesome. Uh, but really, I would say her career path, I really felt started in about 10th grade when she had um, 
one of her biology teachers did a course on marine biology with her class and she instantly lit up and was, she was just hooked, I guess, um, and knew that that was something she wanted to be involved with. And at uh, where she was going to school, they, they all do senior research projects in high school. And um, so her senior year of high school, she did a senior research project um, monitoring elephant seals out of Point Reyes, uh, the Point Reyes National Seashore out here in California. And she worked under a, a female field biologist who studied pinnipeds out there. And so she spent hours and hours and hours and hours sitting on the bluff in the fog and the cold, monitoring the the sea. Um, not did I say sea? Elephant seals. Not elephant seals. seals. Yes. During their pumping season, which is very dramatic if you've ever witnessed that sort of thing. Um, uh, yeah, they fight for territory on the beach, the big giant bulls and. Anyway, she loved doing field research. She just thought that was the most wonderful thing. And so that kind of combined the two things of the marine biology and the field research for her and her mind and, uh, and started her mentorship with women scientists, um, which she was really fortunate to have her science teacher in high school that did the marine biology, which was a woman uh, the field researcher of it, my grades was a woman. Um, and then, you know, she really was so inspired in high school by these female scientists and also people like Jane Goodall and Sylvia Earle. So she really had these role models from an early time, too, that were really inspirations to her. Um, so she, in the, in the school sh where she was in high school, it was a newly developed high school and it didn't have a really, um, it was still developing the hard science curriculum to a certain degree. And while she got, I think she took a lot of inspiration and the whole education she had at Waldorf made her very curious and interested and open and an independent thinker, I would say, which all served her in these pursuits. She really struggled when she went to Santa Cruz because um, most of her peers in the hard sciences had done a lot of AP coursework, which she hadn't had the opportunity to do, and um, had done a lot of standardized testing, which she had almost zero experience in. And, um, and it was, she was in lecture halls of 400 students. So all of these things made it really, really difficult for her, her first year or two there. Um, and, you know, she really struggled to pass some of those first, um, that first coursework in chemistry, um, physics, et cetera. And she could have easily been deterred from pursuing this field, but she absolutely knew this is what she wanted and she wasn't going to let anything get in her way. So even when in outer ways, everything was telling her not to do this, um, she wasn't going to give up. And what she did was she um, disenrolled from UC Santa Cruz for three semesters, went to the local community college, got the coursework in hand, and then went back for her junior and senior year 
uh, UC Santa Cruz. Um, from the beginning of her time at UC Santa Cruz, she was doing lab work. She was interning in labs, um, again, under women. So she, she worked for three different labs during that time. Uh, she worked with the Koch lab. She worked with a lab doing evolutionary morphology. Um, and another one, the Rimondi Carr lab, where she was, um, I can't even tell you all the things she was doing. But at the Koch lab, she was uh, helping with some shark studies. And uh, so she was getting a lot of really great experience and working under women scientists. And she continued that even during her time at the community college. Um, she also struggled because she wasn't well-financed. And so part of that um, the stress of going to school full-time and working full-time and trying to do this, this hard stuff. So part of, part of um, going to the community college, too, was to allow herself to build her finances up before she came back. So... It was, she really struggled, but she really pushed through it. Um, and when she came back to UC Santa Cruz, she really thrived her junior and senior year there, getting into that upper division coursework and um, got to do a marine ecology field quarter where, where they went to Corsica. That's where she learned her scientific dive work and uh, she came out of that semester with dean's honors so i i just think it's so important to emphasize because i think a lot of people maybe don't fit the stereotype of who goes into science whether that's male female or certain academic skill sets or history and um i think that that is a real disservice to science because there are so many people with different kinds of gifts that can bring important things. And I think she was one of those people. Um, let's see. So those last, those last couple of years, she made a lot of uh, great connections. She came more and more interested. She got more and more interested specifically in fish um, and and really made great connections with important people working in the field. Um, and then when she finished, when she graduated in 2013, she was pretty exhausted from the academic work and decided to take some time out of academics, but continuing to work in the field. Um, so she got involved with the fisheries ecology division of NOAA, and that led her to working with the California Department of Fish and Wildlife's Ocean Salmon Project as a field tech. And that was a really pivotal position for her. Um, she oversaw the offloading of the commercial and recreational salmon catches out at Moss Landing near Santa Cruz. And um, that led her to engaging directly with the fishing community, which she hadn't done before, right? So bringing those two parts together, this love of fish, but meeting the people doing it and having that encounter where immediately, and probably everyone in your program has had this experience, but the gap between those who have the scientific knowledge and the public who are working in these economies that don't necessarily know about it and how difficult that makes collaborating on the ecology and sustainability um, 
So that really got her directed uh, more specifically towards wanting to work in interdisciplinary studies, wanting to work in educating the public more effectively. And she decided at that point to pursue the degree um, to, to pursue a master's in science. And she uh, decided to go with Oregon State University where Flaxen Conway really strongly supported her in this kind of work. Um, you know, and really from there, that led her to her first really important joint publication with, with uh, these advisors and a lot of field work with the fishing community and a lot of experience in both the qualitative and quantitative analysis. And she came away from that program feeling like she really had an important, important skill sets and could really go into the work. Um, she graduated from there in 2019, uh, in the spring. And that March, she hadn't been intending, she didn't know she wanted to do PhD. She thought she'd get into the field for a while. And um, in March, an email came across her desk from Cynthia, Dr. Cynthia Grace McCaskey, and saying that they were looking for People to, she was looking for a research assistant and to be part of this program at OSI. Um, and for her, that when she read this invitation, it, it felt to her like just such a perfect match. Um, she was a little bit taken aback because she wasn't thinking of going immediately from her master's into the PhD program. But she felt like she could not turn aside that opportunity and had the conversations with Dr. Grace McCaskey and um, went out and visited the school and decided she needed to do it. It was so wonderful to see her just growing into herself and her confidence and her ability to work in this field that she loved so much. And she was... Um, she was just about to submit her dissertation proposal uh, and that research out in St. Croix and beginning to engage with those fishing communities and do that work that she loved. Very rich, really rich experience. Yeah. It ended too soon. Um, there was so much richness to it. Yes. I'm yeah. sure she would never have wanted it any different. Yeah. Thank you so much for for sharing uh, all these things about her early life and just kind of, yeah, her passion and everything that, that came with it. Uh, thank you so much. Good luck to everybody out there. Keep working in the field. That's so important. I think if there's one thing I could share and convey to people about Anya is her love of life, friendships, and the ocean. I haven't always been able to find the words to describe our friendship, so I will borrow words from Lisa C. No one picks a friend for us. We come together by choice, the spark when we first meet, laughter and tears shared, the wonder that someone can be so different from you and yet still understand your heart in, no way, uh, in a way no one else ever would. This is a shortened book that comes 
a shortened quote from a book called The Island of Sea Women about Korean Hainu divers. Uh, it was actually a book I purchased off Thrift Books because I thought Anya would like to read it, and it really reminded me of our friendship, um, the friendship that Anya, Kira, and I shared, um, that we were really bonded um, in a way that, that meant so much to us, and Anya meant so much to us. And for us to share in this love and passion for the coast and ocean with someone else was just so magical. Um, to live with such passion is such a gift that some people never find, and Anya always had a way of sharing hers. When she passed away, I, I compared it to kind of her to one of the f my favorite blues, that kind of blue that when you go out into open ocean you see, and it's just so rich, full of depth, and, and very inviting. And I was singing about what we leave behind, and I was singing of what Anya left behind and that we can share, and, and that is passion. And the memorials that have poured out for Anya have all had a common theme of her passion for sharing knowledge and, and just reveling in marine science. We were all brought together thanks to one of our guests this week, Dr. Cindy Grace McCaskey. Our cohort all joined ECU because of Cindy's call to work on small-scale fisheries and social networks in St. Croix. Personally, I have responded to this call because I was working on social networks at that time, understanding how the experience of migration impacts social capital like friendships. I was hoping to connect that work with the study on social networks between fishers of, on the U.S. Virgin Islands, but my path led me somewhere else. However, still joining ECU's Integrated Coastal Sciences PhD. I also answered Cindy's call. Um, I was looking for another job because I was living in a trailer outside of Charleston teaching marine science and really wanted to get back to, to doing research. And Cindy led me to my current advisor, David Griffith, because of our joint interest in how humans respond to climate change. She is a cultural anthropologist with a focus on applied environmental anthropology and currently holding an assistant professorship at East Carolina University. So without further ado, Cindy. Hi, Cindy, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks for having me. So um, we're all brought here by our wonderful friend and colleague, Anya, and I would like you to share with us how you met Anya and how you ended up becoming her advisor. Uh, well, as you both mentioned, um, she also applied for the graduate assistantship position that I advertised uh, to work on small-scale fisheries and social network analysis in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, I had received a grant through the National Science Foundation and um, so advertised the position and she, um, I believe uh, her, one of her previous mentors um, forwarded her the ad um, and then she reached out to me by email and then we connected um, over the phone and pretty much the same as with, with each of you, um, how, how you end up becoming uh, an advisee. Um, and she, like you, she decided to come that year and you all started what fall 2019, yes. I believe. Yes. Oh gosh. Has it been that yeah, long? It has. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. Oh <my> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, thank you for that brief kind of 
um, wrote down memory lane, um, only using a few words, how, how would you describe her and the relationship that you had? Uh, so Anya was one of the most insightful, deep thinking and passionate people that I've known. Um, and I think in terms of how I would describe our relationship um, was somewhere between, well, I suppose as a mentor, uh, somewhere between a, a parent type role, but also a friend role. Um, and she and I, I think, connected right away because I saw a lot of myself in her as well, um, or where I had been, you know, years ago. Um, so I think, I think we had a connection that way. I think, I think we all saw that. I think when we showed up on our first day and we were with Johnny too, and we were like, oh yeah, that makes sense that, that Anya and, and Cindy are together, <laughs> like right off the bat. And, you know, she, Anya, was so passionate, but then she'd have such like a laughter and giggle about her. And so what were some of your favorite Anya quirks? Uh, well, definitely the, the giggle. <laughs> um, uh, funny story, this isn't necessarily an Anya quirk, but funny story. Um, so prior to even starting um, the coursework and, and moving to Greenville, uh, the summer before um, she was joining me in the Virgin Islands to conduct interviews with fishermen. And she, flying from the West Coast, she arrived the night before um, in, and had to, you know, get let into our condo or wherever it was we were staying. Um, and I, my flight left out of Raleigh the next morning at like 6 a.m. So I drove to the, to, and stayed, you know, in Raleigh right near the airport. And my phone wasn't turned off yet when Anya arrived in St. Croix, um, she could not get into the condo. And so she called multiple times. Maybe, well, you know Anya. She she did it all. A lot of it she did she did herself, but she tried to reach out to let me know. But called maybe three or four times, and I never answered. I woke up the next morning and saw that. But she the story she told about befriending um, the security guard, you know, in the middle of the night, and he was driving her around. I think on the golf cart, trying to you know, have her figure out which apartment it was supposed to be. I think that that was the case. It was that the con, we didn't know the number, which apartment it was. Um, and so, but that to me was just right off the bat was so Anya, just like independent, doing it on her own, no big deal, you know. Um, and I had no doubt either that she, that that was fine, that, that she could do that. And um so I don't know. That's a story that I always think about. <laughs> yeah, I actually remember that story, like her, her <laughs> side of the story. She told that and was like, oh, yeah, by the way, like when I first got there, I didn't even know where to go. And it was like, yeah, all this like odyssey to even get to the place. But yeah, I mean, she managed, even though she's never been there or like no, knew anyone there. So that's kind of, yeah, totally like one of her one of her many, many qualities that she had. 
Um, and so if you were going off, and we're already on St. Croix, so tell us about the project that you were working on together um, there and how Anya's dissertation would relate to it. Sure, so um, the project was to collect data about social networks among fishers. So essentially who talks to who about fishing and who would pass on fishing related information. Um, and so that's, you do an analysis called social network analysis. Um, so we were looking at how fishers were connected to one another as well as to other marine stakeholders. So fisheries managers, scientists um, at the local level, so on St. Croix in the Virgin Islands, as well as at the federal level. Uh, and the idea was to understand how information flows. Um, so in thinking about fisheries management, what does that mean for new regulations? What does that mean for, um, for fishers organizing? Um, into a group and 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 having a larger voice uh, in the within management, um, so those kinds of things. Um, and Anya, unfortunately, we we collected that first round of data and then COVID hit. So we uh, were analyzing the data and we have a paper in review. Um, but unfortunately, everything had to come to a halt uh, because of COVID. So uh, she and I. Uh, went back in December to finally do some follow-up uh, research. And, uh, you know, for the first couple years of her time here, she really wanted to do her dissertation research um, in California and on the West Coast. Um, but given COVID and, and all kinds of things, um, I think she ultimately decided, okay, well, Cindy has the connections in the Virgin Islands and I can just focus on that building on what we were already working on. Um, but given her background with um, in ecology and fisheries um, on the more uh, environment, uh, natural science side, she was looking at how to incorporate various types of data, social data, as well as ecological data um, into ecosystem-based management. Um, and so, uh, when we went in December, um, I got to introduce her to folks. And um, of course, right away, everybody loves Anya um, and, you know, and was was really supportive of her um, and really wanted to help her try to figure out specifically what she would focus on and how it would fit in. And also important to Anya was that it be um, useful for the local people, for managers, um, for fishers. So not just science for science's sake, but to actually make a difference. Um, and I think that's another place she and I really connected because that's at the core of, of everything I do work-wise as well. Um, and so, yeah, so she, she stayed for a few days after I left. And I remember her telling me about meeting a bunch of, um, a bunch of, Ballroom dancers. Ballroom dancers, <laughs> yes, on the beach, who also worked for the Department of Planning and Natural Resources. So also, you know, worked with her or fit with her work. Um, but yes, they were ballroom dancers. And so, of course, that also is just so Anya. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to miss her dance moves. I mean, she just had a way of just coming out of nowhere and just like 
quirky. I mean, I wish we could show it on the podcast, but we can't. You know, you only hear in the voice. But just imagine just this person just full of energy, just dancing through the room and everywhere. And that was, I mean, that was the last thing I got to do with her was dance. And I'm extremely grateful for that. Um, and can you can you share any more about that trip? I know Anya really likes to cook, and I believe she shared some meals with you. <laughs> Yes, um, she. we stayed with a friend of mine. So I used to live there. I did my dissertation on St. Croix. Um, and my husband and I went for six months and stayed for two and a half years and um, really, you know, made friends down there that were like family. Um, and so we, Anya and I stayed with, uh, with one of those, one of those longtime friends and, um, and so what were are you getting at the lime the citrus juicer oh yeah i think so <laughs> is that yeah, the story yeah. so yes so um while while when we first got there um anya was finishing a grant proposal so she was working a lot and we were at the staying at the house and she would make you know a drink that had like a seltzer and some sort of citrus juice or whatever it was one of the spicy marks oh man yeah Yeah. (laughs) um and so yeah and then i ended up having to leave um earlier than expected but one of the last times i spoke with her on the phone she she was still there and she mentioned how somehow she managed to break two of my friend's (laughs) citrus juicers so the one that she was using when i left but then she found a new one to get him um, and then she broke that one too. And it, I've spoken with him since, and he said something on the you know on the lines of, "Yeah, all 100 pounds of her managed exactly. to break like two citrus juicers." So yeah. we were going to send that was on her list of things to send him as a care package Aww. once she returned. So yeah, actually, the one citrus juicer that she had in North Carolina is like with me now. Yep, so, that's yeah, that's a good one to have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's one of like those memories where you're like, okay, like, and I'm going to treat it really, really well because I don't want it to break, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> also, I'm not, I'm not so strong. Yeah. <laughs> for, for those of you that don't know, Kira, Anya, and I all lived together for a certain amount of time. And the amount of fresh produce we went through, mm-hmm. I think one of us went to the grocery store almost every day, Pretty which much, added yeah. up a lot because if you live in the Outer Banks, you know, goods cost more. <laughs> totally. So um, I guess... Going back to that project and like the work that you started doing, um, are you planning on continuing that work? And if so, are you thinking about bringing on maybe another student even? So the project um, is, I'm hoping to wrap the project up within the next year. Um, I've had to get extensions on the funding because of COVID. that project was supposed to end with a big in-person workshop um, on St. Croix that brought together um, federal fisheries managers and local managers as well as the fishers. Um, Given COVID and the fact that it doesn't look like there'll be in-person meetings in the near future, um, I've really had to kind of revamp and change how this is gonna wrap up. Anya was sort of, we'd come up with a good kind of next plan in December for her to take what we what we were doing and build on that. Um, and then with with her loss, um, 
I've had to rethink it again. Um, but I have, there's another colleague that we brought in um, who was working on network analysis, um, Maria Cristina Ramos, and she and I um, have still been in touch and have ideas for sort of some next steps. Um, she will be starting a faculty position, um, I believe, at University of Florida. Um, and we've talked about looking for additional funding um, to answer some new questions. So um, basically looking at how the networks of fishers relate to the ecological health um, of the fisheries in, um, in St. Croix. Um, and so it's definitely on the cards to, you know, continue working there and looking for additional funding that could support um, interested graduate students. And how, how much of, would you say, kind of like Anya's, what she was going to do in her dissertation is now kind of continuing on? Um, I'm not sure, to, to be honest. Um, I know, you know, she, she, the, another thing that she and I related uh, to one another, I think, with was, um, when I, when I started my PhD, um, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. Um, and my advisor, uh, didn't have the connections in the Virgin Islands or anything. Um, and so I can remember my advisor saying to me, well, I mean, I can give you a project, but do you know, or do you want to come up with your own? And, you know, at various times I would, I would go back to that with Anya and I would say, I mean, I can give you something to do, but, or do you want to figure this out? And she always wanted to figure it out on her own. And so, um, you know, I helped her sort of tweak her general ideas to different fellowships and proposals and things, but she was still figuring out specifically what she was going to do. So, um, I think that there's potential to use the data that we've collected um, coupled with ecological data and to see how that fits in with ecosystem-based management. Um, I, as an individual, don't have that expertise to do. Um, and so I think, I think that potential is still there. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that sounds, at least that there's some, um, like structure some base um, to to build on, I guess, and, and to continue that work. And so if, if someone, maybe even someone to like listens, that listens to this podcast right now, uh, would be interested in continuing some of that work because they have the expertise and because they, yeah, probably even know the area or, or want to get to know the area, um, how could they reach out to you? They could email me. Um, which I believe the, the show notes, show notes. I'm sorry. I'm new to podcasts. The show notes, uh, will have my email address and absolutely. I would love to hear from anybody interested and, um, yeah, probably much like you all. I mean, the main thing that, that probably made you want to answer the ad was that it was going to be in the U S Caribbean. So, uh, it's a that great was, place that to was work. just a ding for somebody that <laughs> wanted to, you know, they want to, they want to go. <laughs> Is there any other final words you would like to say? Um, 
just thank you for the chance to to talk about her work and to talk about her. Um, you know, you all, your cohort just holds such a special place in my heart and um, as Anya did as well and always will. Um, and I just think this is such a beautiful thing. Um, and she was just a beautiful person. Um, and just, I'm just grateful to have had the chance to know her and to know you guys. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Anya did not just end up at East Carolina by chance. She was seeking out another opportunity to study fisheries policies at her graduate research at Oregon State University. She was able to bring the thesis she wrote as a part of her master's degree into a scientific publication at the journal Marine Policy that came out last year. One of the co-authors of this paper and a mentor and friend, Flexen Conway, is joining us now. Professor Flexen Conway is the director of the Marine Resource Management Graduate Program. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Well, not actually for the topic, but uh, it's my pleasure to be part of something that honors uh, the life and legacy of Anya Sostrom. Thank you. Um, for our listeners, how did you get to meet Anya and um, how did you end up being your advisee? Well, as you stated briefly, you know, I am the director of the Marine Resource Management Graduate Program at Oregon State University. And so I recruited Anya into the program, which was um, not a hard task because of her interest, but a fun task because I knew how amazingly um, hardworking that she was. And I knew that she'd do a good job at it. And um, so what, as you said, she was very interested in doing interdisciplinary quantitative and qualitative research regarding fish and fisheries and fishermen and the special place of the Oregon coast. So it was a very good fit. Yeah, that sounds like a really, really uh, upper alley. Using a few words, how would you describe her and the relationship that you had? I think that uh, four words really sum it up for me, and that is curious or curiosity. She's a very curious person. She's a very thoughtful person, um, really mindful of everything she did and kind of what she did. Um, She was very uh, perseverant um, in that, you know, she would not give up on things, even when it got super hard. And that's really important for this kind of work. And she did all of this through a very kind heart. So those are qualities that I admire in a person. And um, I would say we're the foundation of us working together, you know, as the, as the lead of the research and as the student researcher, it, uh, we just turned into partners in the, in the work. Um, although the work, um, well, I'll talk more about the work in a second, but um Lorenzo Cinelli, my great colleague, um, was the co-PI on the proposal that we went after. And so Anya was the perfect fit for that proposal. Yeah, yeah, you already started talking about it. Um, Tell us more about this project that you were working on together and how did uh, Anya's thesis then relate to the project? Great. Uh, Yeah, so Lorenzo and I and a few others, Waldo Wakefield and some um, other um, state and uh, federal level um, fisheries managers, and then also um, commercial fishermen, really wanted to talk about the nearshore ground fish 
fishery and the nearshore groundfish place. And so we were lucky enough to secure a, um, a grant from Oregon Sea Grant to conduct a research project that was looking at nearshore groundfish, looking at conservation and resilience, both of the fish and of the fishing community. And um, Anya, we, we kind of framed it as looking at uh, the importance of local eco- combining local ecologic whew, local ecological knowledge. I've been saying LEK so long, yes. I can't even say the whole <laughs> word, with scientific ecological knowledge to better understand the situation and the small and somewhat hidden industry. Yeah, that looks like, um, so we did an episode on, on local ecological knowledge. Um, so it's pretty much, yeah, what is, what is there in the, in the like fisheries community, right? Um, what exists already, what people have been doing for ages, but we as scientists don't really know. Um, so, so getting that, um, knowledge from, from that population is, is a very big part in understanding, um, all these, yeah smaller um, intricacy and then connections. Um, exactly. You know, if I may real quick, I'll just say that. So, you know, the, the, the reality is the scientific ecological knowledge is really, really important, right? That's what yes. we are. We're researchers. We want, we want to discover, but what we've also really recognized, and I'm sure you talked about this on your episode is that having a scientific knowledge of something can only be made better when it's combined with a local experiential knowledge or local ecological knowledge. And so, you know, that that's really what Anya kept coming back to is, you know, the, if you look at, and, and I'm sure Lorenzo might talk about this, but if you look at what the surveys tell us, that's only part of the picture because they only happen at certain times. Whereas fishermen are out there all the time. So I think over the years, um, scientists and fishermen have really understand the benefit of sharing their knowledge and experience with each other and that it makes for better understanding. Yeah. Thank you for, for detailing that a little bit more so that like people who are not in that kind of, uh, field understand too what, what, yeah, what you and, and Anya have been up to. Which is, yeah, a very important part of, of giving those people also a voice, right? Uh, a, a place in the, yeah, and also policy and then being able to contribute somewhere. And so if someone uh, is, would be more or interested in continuing some of Anya's work or just like understanding more, where could they find you or um, more information on this work? Well, the good news is that there's a lot more to be learned. And so I hope that they're interested, in fact, in this work, uh, work meaning, you know, combining LEK with SEK, but also understanding the nearshore environment and the fish, the fisheries, the fishermen, the fishing community, um, as well as special places and how they're changing, because we know that they are. So, if, if people are really interested in this, um, and I hope that they are, you know, you, you mentioned earlier Anya's um, publication in Marine Policy, where she's first author. I think that would be a good place to start um, because I think the end of that publication really talks about future research needs and, and you know, possible other areas to explore. 
Um, I would also encourage people to go to the Oregon Sea Grant website and type in her name. And an Oregon Sea Grant publication about the same study is in um, is there and kind of tells the story from a little bit different point of view. Same kind of story, but a little bit different point of view for the, you know, um, for either fishing community members because we shared it with them or managers that would rather read something that's a little bit more for the lay person than a um, scientific publication. And, and then the last thing that I would say that they can do is just to commit to looking at complex issues through an interdisciplinary or transdisciplinary lens. You know, I think it's pretty easy to think um, that you're the only person that's wondered something yeah. <laughs> or, you know, like I'm really curious about this. And so take that curiosity and reach out to others and share your curiosity with them so that they can um, share what they're interested in and, and talk about how different disciplines and different perspectives can look at the same question. And the question, of course, here is, you know, just how are fisheries changing? How's the place changing and everything? So I'll just um, kind of sum it up and saying that would be what I would suggest that folks do. And if you're and if anyone is looking for a graduate program um, on the West Coast, they could certainly look at the Marine Resource Management Program at Oregon State University, where they would have the opportunity, like Anya did, to um, to look into these questions and to get involved and to have a community of folks um, to work with and support her, uh, which I know is a big part of it. And I know that that was one of the wonderful things of her moving to North Carolina and working with Cindy and all of you is that she built yet a, another ring of community around these important topics. I'll just end with one quick story, if I may. Yes, please. You know, Anya, one of the ways that she um, paid for her, uh, her master's degree was to work as the coordinator of the National Ocean Science Bowl out here, the Salmon Bowl. And, you know, people, um, the students, it's a high school competition, and I know you have one in North Carolina. That yes, we do. The Blue okay. Heron Bowl. <laughs> the Blue Heron Bowl. Yes. Okay, well, it's the Salmon Bowl out here, Blue Heron Bowl there. And, you know, the, the high school kids, you know, come and go because they, you know, they, they grow up and they move on. Um, but while they're here, some of them compete for several years. And um, it was interesting, even if they didn't compete when Anya was the uh, coordinator of the bowl out here, this year, at this year's bowl that happened in February, we took a moment at the end to share pictures of Anya and tell some stories about her. And I just wanted to convey, it was an online bowl, unfortunately, mm -hmm. again, because of COVID. But um, I'm looking at all of these square boxes on the screen, right, as we're doing this. And all of these people put up little heart emojis and, Aww. you know, and it was really, really touching. Aww. So I think that that speaks to who Anya was as a person and how, whether she was talking with high school kids or, you know, fishermen, commercial fishermen or commercial fishing, you know, processing folks or seafood um, retailers or academics in any shape or form, she just, she really could um, connect to people. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that story. That's beautiful. And um, yeah, definitely um, shows what kind of person she was. And yes, she was able to fit in everywhere and just, yeah, 
get like talk to everyone and and just be yeah be involved and and excited about uh, everything and and get everyone else excited too so that was also like one of the qualities that I was like oh my god this is amazing I I wish I could do that you know oh no me too I was always so taken with I always called Anya was an old soul in a young person's body so yes that is left a huge gap definitely in our our hearts and in the planet but I know that she would support um you know just keep on doing the work and living each day and loving what what you can so Exactly. Thank you so, so much for joining us on this podcast and for letting us or giving us this insight in her work at Oregon State and um, the projects that she was working on. Thank you for doing this. It's been my honor to be a part of it. Since this name has already come up, uh, we are talking to Professor Lorenzo Cianelli, professor in fisheries oceanography at Oregon State University. He was a co-PI in the project on groundfish and local ecological knowledge and a mentor of and friend of Anya's. Professor Ginelli, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's really a pleasure to be here and, and to talk about the, the influence and the impact that uh, Anya's work had on me and, and in, in science in general. How did you get to meet Anya and how did you end up or how did she end up being your advisee? So she uh, contacted me um, shortly, maybe a few months before entering the program via email and expressed this was uh, in 2017. She entered the program in fall of 2017, so it must have been summer or spring of 2017. And she had expressed this desire of wanting to work in coastal marine resources and, and to combine her already very strong background in social and, and political science with, uh, with uh, uh, ecological as well as uh, quantitative analysis of uh, marine coastal resources. And, and that, that what drew me to, to her application and, and eventually, you know, having her admitted in the, in the program <clears throat> was her interest to combine these two aspects, the truly interdisciplinary uh, aspect of her study. Um, there, there was, uh, at, but she entered the program in, uh, in, uh, fall of 2017. And the timing was perfect because together with, with Flux and Conway, who has also been, uh, interviewed for, for this postca- podcast, uh, we had just got this, uh, uh, opportunity, uh, and funding from Sea Grant to conduct a study. Uh, on coastal marine uh, ground fish resources and on the uh, local communities that were dependent on those resources. So uh, that we, we had the student, we had the timing and, and everything matched up pretty well. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good, pretty good fit. Um, using a few words, how would you describe Anya and the relationship you had? Um, Anya was uh, an excellent student. Uh, she was very uh, self-driven. Um, she she had planned everything. One of the things that I remember uh, vividly was a meeting that we had. It must have been just a few months, you know, after she entered the program. She already knew when she was going to graduate. She had her graduation date in mind. She knew how she was going to conduct the program and 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 the interviews she was going to conduct with the local communities and and that was wow, wow, this is great this 
perfect. And so I, I was, uh, I was very impressed. And of course, she, she, she was able to meet all those expectations and exceed them. Um, one of the things that, that, uh, I remember the most was, uh, her ability to connect with people in general, uh, and 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 whether uh, you know people from academia like myself or or our colleagues here uh, or or the local communities the the coastal groundfish and, and bottom trawlers that she ended up in interviewing for her uh, program she just had the way to make people feel comfortable and at ease whenever uh, she was meeting with them um, especially with the uh, uh, you know with with, with the fishermen. We, we had the, the idea of really wanting to connect with fishermen who had been in the, in the trade for, for many years, possibly even generations. And, and she was able to just let them speak, feel, let them feel comfortable and, and share all their knowledge, all, all their uh, insight. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely one of her many qualities. And so since you already started talking about the project um, and like talking to fishermen and stuff like that, um, how did, um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about this project and how her thesis then related to it. So the the project uh, um, was was pretty, pretty unique for me. Um, and that was very exciting. Um, the, the idea was to, to um, combine local ecological knowledge, so from, from fishermen who have been in, the, in this trade for many, many years and possibly even generations, uh, with the scientific ecological knowledge, the knowledge that we gather about marine resources from local surveys, uh, in order to have a better description of the resources and, and so the coastal ground fish species that we have here off the Oregon coast, as well as the fishermen that depend on those resources. We were analyzing uh, survey data uh, as well as fishery dependent data, like, like logbook of fishermen catch. And, and we were also conducting interviews uh, with coastal uh, fishermen um, to, to gather their experiential knowledge about the resource, but also their insight about the policy uh, environment, the market environment, and, and, and the pros and cons of being in that type of uh, uh, trade, in that type of profession. This was a, a unique project for me because it was truly merging the two, si the, the two sides um, and, and, and had never really been exposed to that level uh, to such a project. So I really owe it to Anya uh, um, for me to get involved so deeply in, into this interdisciplinary study. That was my first real hands-on experience with, with doing such a level of interdisciplinarity. Someone or maybe so, even someone that is listening right now um, would be interested in continuing some of Anya's work. Um, how could they find more about it? How could they find you too? Yeah, the uh, Anya's work has has been great, has been fantastic, excellent. She 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 has published several papers, uh, and and she was able to highlight the importance of uh, of these uh, coastal uh, bottom troll ground uh, ground uh, groundfish uh, fleet. Um, she had this. Her first publication was called "Lost in Plain Sight." To uh, to just uh, bring up the, um, the, the 
but then the struggles that that these coastal uh, bottom trawlers uh, were going through uh, related to the policies, related to the market that favor other type of species, not much the diversity of species um, that exist, uh, you know, in, in with larger bottom trawlers. So, so she she did she did a, 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 an excellent work to to really bring up to our attention this coastal fleet uh, of bottom trawlers. Uh, there is still more to be done. And so um, we need to understand better uh, how we can combine uh, the scientific knowledge with the, with the local knowledge in ways that they can complement each other for policy purposes, especially now that we're talking more about opening this coastal habitat. And there is more that needs to be done uh, on the social side to, to understand the market drivers um, related, for example, with the processing of, uh, of ground fish species, um, as well as the policy side that, that could help fishermen to, to diversify their catch uh, and, and to become more resilient to climate change. So th- there definitely is more uh, that could be done. And, and if, uh, if anybody listening is interested in, in tackling this problem, they can get in touch uh, with me uh, here at the Oregon State University. Sounds good. Yes, perfect. Um, we're also going to share your um, email address in the show notes. So if anyone um, is interested in doing this kind of work, um, thank you so much, uh, Professor Janelli, for uh, talking to us. And um, yeah, we're hoping that you're going to be successful in all these other projects. And uh, yeah, we're... Um, Thankful for having you on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening and contributing to this episode of All Swell. We hope you were inspired to follow your path as determined and as with as much passion as Anya did. A big thank you again to Anya's colleagues that shared their stories with us today on the podcast. If you want to reach out to any of us, the information can be found in the show notes. And if you don't have a scientific contribution, but still want to help Anya's family and her scientific community at East Carolina to continue to shape interdisciplinary coastal science, please consider donating to the Anya Shostrom Memorial Scholarship in Coastal Science. The details how to do that can be found on the website of the Coastal Studies Institute, www.coastalstudiesinstitute.org slash Anya Sostrom Memorial Scholarship. And we're also linking to this beautiful opportunity in the show notes. And And always always remember, remember, where there's a will, there's a wave. wave.